Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, March the 24th, 2023. It is currently 1227 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, what we are about to do brings a lot of things together, and hopefully this will all make sense. Number one, I don't know if you remember, I have been, I told you a while back that I'm listening to a church that is going through the Gospel of John, right? They started, they're going to go like a year and a half through the Gospel of John. I've been watching their sermons, listening to their sermons. We reviewed a few of their sermons. So we're going to be returning back to that church uh, on a sermon that they preached, well, on John chapter 2, a, a section of John chapter 2, and they did so a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm, I'm way behind listening to that church's series on the Gospel of John, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't even, I, I, it has to be maybe the worst sermon series on the gospel of John that has ever been produced in the history of Christianity. And you may think that's hyperbole. You may think that's exaggeration, but it is an, it's just an absolute train wreck. I, I, I don't even have words for it. In some ways they claim they're going through the gospel of John, but I don't really feel like they're going through the gospel of John. I have no idea what they're actually doing. It is It is crazy, but we're going to return to that. And the reason we're going to return to that is I'm like three weeks behind and listening to those sermons. So I know I needed to listen to one today. So I thought, well, why not listen to it live on the air? So I get a live broadcast in, plus I catch up a little bit on what I'm behind on. So I can bring those two concepts together. So I'm not naming where the church is at. I'm not naming the church in any way, shape, or form, because remember, it's not... And well, I, I guess at this point, the only thing that I that this differs from how I typically do a sermon review is in this case, I know it's going to be bad. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I've been listening to their entire series so far, and all of them have been bad. So I there's it's hard for me to go into this believing that this is going to be good. So typically I have you know, I don't know anything about the sermon I'm getting ready to review. This one, I know where it's from. I know how bad the series has been. So there's a little bit of negativity going into it for full transparency. I, I prefer it not to be that way. But I, look, I'm listening to all, I'm, I've committed myself to listening to, to the entire series. So I'm going to spend an hour, a year and a half of my life listening to them. So, um, you know, I know it's, I know that's negative, but I said I was going to do so, so I'm going to do so. So that's the only bad thing, I guess. I feel kind of bad that I know, like a part of me says, look, you've already determined how bad this is. Just move on. But I said I was going to listen to the whole thing. So maybe maybe I can try to hope that this is going to be an exception to the rule and this they're going to knock it out of the park and this is going to be one of the greatest sermons from the Gospel of John I've ever heard. But I'm, I'm a little suspect, if I'm being honest with you. So that's the first thing that's coming together. Me listening to this sermon series and, well, me needing to do a live broadcast. So they come together and, well, you get the unfortunate... <laughs> You get the unfortunate pleasure of the unfortunate displeasure. You get the unfortunate, <laughs> I don't even know what words to use. For Unfortunate for you, 
you're going to be listening uh, to me review one of these sermons from this series, from this church that is doing this series on the Gospel of John. Yeah, I, I'll stumble through that somehow. I, I want to say the unfortunate pleasure, but it's not really pleasurable if it's unfortunate, right? So you get the unfortunate displeasure. Yeah, you you get the unfortunate pain and suffering, but you're gonna you get to. Uh, Suffer with me, if that makes any sense. So that's the first thing that comes together. The second, if you've been paying attention for the Bible study exercise, we've been working on the Gospel of John, right? Some individual chapters on the Gospel of John. And we came across this kind of concept that within the Gospel of John, there are seven signs and seven I am statements. Jesus basically is involved in what we are calling seven signs. And remember, those seven signs are turning water into wine, cleansing the temple, healing the nobleman's son, healing the lame man, feeding the multitude, healing the blind man, and raising raising Lazarus. And then we've got the seven I am statements that I won't go into right now. But we we've been looking at the seven these. We just kind of found ourselves in looking at this. And and it really the original goal was to let's just look at some individual chapters in the Gospel of John. But we've kind of stumbled upon this concept. I've told everyone about a book to buy. And so th- so for this episode, th- this is going to... So number one, it's going to bring together me listening to this church and needing to do a live broadcast. And number two, it's going to bring together, well, our Bible study exercise really on the seven signs and on the Gospel of John, because we're going to be reviewing a sermon that's, that is being preached on John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17 which is the cleansing of the temple, which just happens to be one of the seven signs. So it's going it, to, this all falls right in line with the Bible study exercise. In fact, I'll post this, this episode in the Bible study exercise because it fits perfectly with that. So the first two things come together is, well, I'm listening to this church and well, we're going to, I need to do a live broadcast. The second thing that comes together is, well, we've been talking about the gospel of John. Well, this is from the gospel of John. We've been talking about the seven signs. This is one of the seven signs that all comes together. So there you go. And I guess the third thing that comes together is, well, I just, I, I, I need, I need to do, I, I need a good live broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I've already, I've, I've spent six minutes. I've stumbled over words. So I'm already, I'm already, I'm already off to a bad start, but I just need a good live broadcast. So I figured, you know what? I I could, well, see, if you think about it, I really need to do a live broadcast because I just been, I just been struggling and I haven't been happy. And I deleted one yesterday and I'm already thinking about deleting this one and I'm only seven minutes in. So I'm already off to a rough start, but, um, in some ways, I tell myself that when I do the sermon reviews, well, those those are typically good. But see, I know this one's going to be so bad. So I, I don't know. I don't know. The third thing that comes together is that I just don't know what I'm doing. That's the third thing that comes together. But the first two make perfect sense, right? I said I'm going to listen to these sermons. I need to do a live broadcast. It fits perfectly. We've been working on the Gospel of John. This is a sermon from the Gospel of John, we've been working on the seven, working on the seven signs. This is one of the seven signs, so that all fits together. And the third thing, I don't really know how to even articulate the third thing, other than I need a good broadcast. So why am I doing a sermon review 
on a sermon that I know is going to be horrible, and I've already spent eight minutes now stumbling over my word. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So the third thing we'll just forget about. We'll just forget about. But I hope that somehow through this, we can something positive. Hopefully, something positive can happen for you. You'll gain more insight somehow into this. I hopefully we can talk about hermeneutics, preaching how to handle the text of scripture, John chapter two, the cleansing of the temple. Hopefully something good will come from that. And hopefully, even though I can't articulate it, hopefully when I'm done with this broadcast, hopefully I won't delete this. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But I'm really questioning now. See, if, if I was honest with you right now, I would just stop this and say, forget it. I just forget it. Just forget it. All because of just some little like, you have the unfortunate pleasure or displeasure or like they, I, just because I stumbled over that, see, then I'm already, see, do you see how weird that is? I know, I know it's weird. All right, but here we go. See, sometimes I'm too transparent on my podcast, aren't I? All right, so are you ready? We're going to go to this church. I'm not telling you where. This was, I think, uh, what, maybe two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago when this was preached. We're, I'm, like I said, I'm way behind um, and we're just going to jump in. They're going to be preaching on, well, John chapter 2, 12 through 17, we, we reviewed their sermon on John 2, 1 through 11, which was, again, <laughs> I don't even have words for it, but here we go. Let's just see what happens, all right? Let's just see what happens. We begin the review right now. Good morning. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be up here with church family. All right. Number one, I don't know how low that volume is. I don't know how low that volume is, but I already have amplified that thing three times. I can't believe how low. Let me see here. Can I hear how, how low it is? Okay, hang on. I'm, gonna, I'm listening to it on my iPad because we're way behind. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be Okay, it's not too low. It's not too low. All right, good. I wanted to verify that because I, 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 spent, I spent like 45 minutes of my morning trying to get this ready to go, and I kept ampl- amplifying it and amplifying it and amplifying I'm like, what is the... They recorded it like, I don't know what they were doing. Like someone in the sound booth was like, let's record this on the lowest volume humanly possible that n- nobody can hear it. All right, say someone just said the volume is fine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good. All right. I wanted to make sure because uh, her her voice, they, I don't know why they record them so low. It, this is a common problem I have with reviewing sermons. I pulled the sermon over and it's like, who's working your sound booth? Can you, can you increase the volume a little bit? It's really weird, but okay. Now, so let's do this. First of all, immediately now, I, I already know this is <laughs> this. I, I don't know why churches do this. Someone needs to explain this to me. Someone needs to explain this to me. All right. And, and I, I'm going to pose it as a question, but I just I this is this is not me trying to be sarcastic. This is not try, me to be trying to be a smart aleck. This is me just honestly curious because I don't understand. Now, I've been listening to this church now preach through the Gospel of John, and I don't think um, rarely is it the same person preaching like 
They constantly have different people preaching. They, they, this is probably, this is like person number three, number four. I don't, I don't even know. I like, I don't get it. Like, do you go to a church where every week it's someone different preaching? I, I don't understand that concept, right? Like I, I, some churches like that idea, like, oh, we have multiple teaching elders. Well, I don't get it. If you're going through a book, why would you want different people teaching? I, 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 that drives me crazy because I would want the same person taking me through John chapter one, verse one to the end of the gospel of John. I would want the same person. I wouldn't want multiple people because how do you get any continuity? How do you get any, maybe, maybe they all sit around the table during the week and I just don't know. I, I, I don't like that. Um, I, I know a lot of people go to churches where, well, this week it was so-and-so teaching and next week it'll be, I, that would drive me crazy because I would want that one person and as they're struggling and trying to figure out the text, we're struggling and trying to figure out the text with them. But they, they this is a different person. I haven't heard this person preach yet. And obviously it's a church that uh, allows, you know, women preachers that we won't even get into that. But I just don't understand. This is like the second, this is the, this is the second woman who has preached. They've also had two different guys preach. So this is like the fourth person, I think, the fourth or fifth person that has preached. And I already saw, I think uh, there was, there's another, another individual who's getting ready to preach, I think in the next, the next uh, message that, so that'll make like number five or number six. Like, I don't understand, like, I, I, it's it's preaching through a book by committee. Maybe others love that. Maybe others love that. I just don't. But let's let's see what they what she has to say here. Good morning. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be up here with church family, and to uh, talk further about John's gospel with you. Some of you know me and some of you don't. Um, I grew up in this church, and since I was a very little girl, so this is my home, and it has been for a long time. My name is Tracy Barr. Hi. I'm glad you're right in front of me. You have a great smile. My husband, Kenny, and I, we've been together, married 40 years, by God's grace. We have three grown children, five grandkids. Those are the best, right? I always say the grandchildren are like the bonus of the kids. But anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about how the life we've been living in the last 12 years ties to our message today a little bit. We uh, have had the privilege of living and working with homeless veterans with addictions for the past 12 years. And, you know, God just... I already get nervous. I already get nervous because it seems like she's not approaching the text to look at the text. She's going to approach the text trying to put her story, her life into the text. We don't put our lives in the text. We come to the text and say... Show me what it says. We don't, why do we always, it has to be an American thing. This has to be an American phenomenon. We, I think we're so narcissistic and arrogant that we just think every text, we're in it. It's about us. It's, we, we, I don't get it. 
Like, what, what does your, your life have to do with this text? If, if I think she's going to preach on John 2, 12 through 25, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where she's supposed to be. Uh, I may, may, let, let's see. I hope I don't get this wrong, but I think that's where she's supposed to be. So I like, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand this. It's a common thing within Christianity. We want to read ourselves into the text, see ourselves in the text, make the text somehow about us. I, I just, maybe she's not going to do that, but that's what I'm getting nervous. That she's starting off with their story instead of starting off with the text. That, that to me, you're, if you, you're, you're starting, you're, you're headed in the wrong direction right from the start, but maybe I'm wrong. Doesn't throw you that way. He calls you and you can decide to go or not, right? With whatever he has in your life. So I'm going to weave that in a little bit later. I want to greet our listeners online. There's some of the guys at the Shepherd's House who are choosing to watch YouTube this morning. Yes. Yeah. You know, online church, some people are critical of it, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are hearing the message and the word of God through online, so we can't completely throw it away, right? And also the Haitian guest is really neat to see the child dedication, the translation taking place for our Haitian guests in Creole. So thank you. So we've been talking about John's gospel, and we're going to, they're going to pop up the slide, I believe. The three goals of believing Jesus, we're going to just recap. Um, We're in this long sermon series that's going to be amazing as we build. Um, Up in and out, we've heard it for a little bit. Most of us, it's simple, right? But um, sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. So loving Jesus, leading others to him, and living as a family in Christ. So, um, you know, we've also talked through shapes. If you're a symbol person, the seven patterns based on the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, The shape isn't up there for me. Well, I guess it is. The healing and injustice or justice. So however you want to talk about it, I'm going to talk a little bit about what that looks like and how Jesus did it, how he modeled it, and how we can... uh, we can do that today. So, And once again, they have kind of this overarching template that they're imposing to me. On, I don't believe it's necessarily being derived from the text. I think in some ways they're imposing it upon the text. They keep making reference to these things. They got these seven shapes. I don't, I don't have the slide in front of me. Um, and, but so much of what they keep saying in their template, once, once they start preaching this, their sermons, it really... I, I'm just like, I know you keep saying this is what we're supposed to see in the Gospel of John, but I, I, I don't even think you've pulled these things out from the Gospel of John that you've preached so far. It, it's just really like, there's such a disconnect in it all. It's like, oh, we made this wonderful slide. Here's these shapes, and these shapes represent what Jesus does in the Gospel of John. And I'm like, what are these shapes, and what is this about? Like, it's so... I, I I don't even, I'm not trying to be super critical. I just don't get it. But le, I, le, all we care about, all we ultimately care about is what is she going to do with John 2, 12 through 25? That's what we care about. So righteous anger. Jesus clears the temple. You know, as Christians, we're often told that, you know, we shouldn't get involved in confrontation after all. We should be peacekeepers. But Jesus did it. He got angry because he was angry about what angered our Lord, his father. And so we should feel the same way. 
So when we see things in the world that don't look right, don't feel right, because God wouldn't like it, we should be motivated to get involved. So we're going to... Um, we're going to get into the Gospel of John and point out. I would just like to point out that Jesus gets mad not at what the world is doing. He gets mad at what the religious people are doing. Okay, Let's just make sure we make that clear. It wasn't like Jesus was walking around and like, hey, you Romans, stop with all your paganism. No, he walks into the temple and like, how dare you do this to the house of God? So just know that there, there is a slight difference here. He's not like, I can't believe they did that on the Grammys. He's like, I can't believe you would do this inside the house of God. Christians love to take Jesus' anger with what happens in the temple and says, whenever we see what's happening in the world, we should get angry too, and we should get involved. Jesus' harshest words are always for the religious. Just a thought, just a thought. I just, look, if you're going to be honest with the text, Jesus' anger here is driven at the religious world, not the world itself. Just, just, just a thought, just a thought. Out some things that, um, you know, we can get involved with and we can lead others through the gospel, through our actions, through righteous anger. And in John 20, 31, we're going to talk about, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, when the series was introduced by Chris, I had never paid attention before that John was only probably a teenager when Jesus called him. And, you know, um, I was a very little girl when I came to Christ, and I thought about that. You know, sometimes people dismiss a salvation of a child. They're like, well, they really don't know. You know what? I did. And I'm sure many other children, teenagers, young adults do too. And um, I can remember God stirring my heart at the age of seven and me going, I want to follow Jesus. I knew it clearly, and he changed me. He changed my heart. He changed my actions. He drew me to him. And um, so personal plug for the young people, you're never too young to serve. I don't care if you're five, you're 15, you're 20, whatever. However, people, don't let them look down on you because you have a purpose. So talked about righteous anger. Um, I remember back in high school, you know, when you're a teenager. This is weird. Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like start? Okay, I'm just, this is just a preaching. Like, this just seems weird to me. She's like, okay, we talked about righteous anger. What do you mean we talked about righteous anger? You haven't even read the text yet. Like, is she already moving on to the next point in her outline? Like, it sounds like she's reviewing, like, so we've talked about righteous anger. Now we're going to move on to something else. Well, you haven't even read the text. Wouldn't you read the text and then walk us through the text and then go, how do we understand Jesus' actions here? Like, she hasn't even, she hasn't even read the text. I mean, how do we understand Jesus' actions of making a scourge of small cords and driving them all out of the temple and the sheep and the money, and he poured out the changer's money, and he overthrew the tables. Like, okay, how do we understand these? Like, what wouldn't you read what Jesus actually did, then talk about righteous? It, it, I, maybe she's just going to do this in a, a different way. I'm a little perplexed, though. It just sounds like she's moving through her outline. But wait, wait, we haven't even, 
They haven't got to the text. Now she's uh, going to tell us a story about when she was in high school, I guess. Okay, and I don't know what children, I, I'm, I'm, okay, well, let's just, I'm going to back this up a little bit. Five, you're 15, you're 20, whatever. However, people, don't let them look down on you because you have a purpose. So talked about righteous ang- anger. Um, I remember back in high school, you know, when you're a teenager, there's a lot of pressure to conform maybe before teenagers now, because I've got a seven-year-old granddaughter, and she looks like she's a teenager sometimes. But I can remember, though, going through the halls of the high school and being just disgusted and frustrated by how people treated those who were different, you know, whether it was the learning disabled class, special ed, whatever they called it back then. It bothered me. And you know what? They would sit over here, at a lunch table by themselves, and it bothered me more and more, and I thought, I prayed about it. You know, what am I going to do about this? And one day, I'm in the line. You had to pray about it? Why wouldn't you just get over up and just go sit with them? <laughs> you had to pray about it? I, hey, what can I do? I don't know, be their friend? I don't know, take up for them? I don't know. Do you need, do, do Christians need to go... Oh, I need to pray about what to do with this situation. These kids are being bullied. I don't know what to do. I need to pray about it. Wouldn't you just say, hey, cut it out. You're going to mess with them. You're going to mess with me. Like, I mean, like, do you, do, do you need Christianity to figure that out? Okay. That just seems odd. Okay. What does this have to do with Jesus cleansing the temple? All right. I'm so, I, now look, I am glad that she cared and was empathetic about those that were being picked on. I am. I am glad that she's that way. I just don't understand what you would have to pray about. I don't understand, like, I don't know what you had to pray about. I wasn't saved. I was lost, right? Carrying my satanic Bible. And people would pick on the Pentecostal girls because they didn't cut their hair, they didn't wear makeup, they didn't wear jewelry. And I was always right there standing up to them. I had nothing to do. I didn't need to pray to God. I was just like, hey, back off. Leave them alone. You mess with them, I, you're going to have to deal with me. I, I was as lost as lost can be. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, you had to pray about it? I don't know. I didn't need to ask a God to know, hey, leave them alone. Okay, but all right. I, that, that, that's just so weird. So, okay, I'm trying to follow this. All right, here we go whatever they called it back then, it bothered me. And you know what? They would sit over here at a lunch table by themselves, and it bothered me more and more, and I thought, I prayed about it. You know, what am I going to do about this? And one day, I'm in the line getting ready to eat lunch, and there's a couple kids talking to me, which they did, and I spoke with them, and I invited them to join me at my lunch table. My friends looked at me like, what are you doing? I mean, you had to pray about that to do that? That's what I just don't. You had to pray about that? I'm I'm just, and I still don't know what this has to do with Jesus cleansing the temple. And I said, you come and sit with me. And we talked and we talked. And you know, there's a young gal. Well, we're not so young anymore. She graduated with me, and she still remembers that. And when I see her in the community, she'll say, this girl, this girl talked to me in school. And I'm like, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal. 
Okay, so I, 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 does anybody feel, I don't know if anybody feels what I'm feeling here. Is this a sermon about Jesus or is this a sermon about her? Now, I look, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing plenty of times in my preaching and podcasting. You can start telling stories about yourself. And then sometimes afterwards, you're like, was, am I, am I, was I there lift, exalting myself? I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. You've, we've all done it. We all have a tendency to exalt ourselves. Now, sometimes we think we're exalting ourselves in order to exalt Jesus. So it's always that like, it's easier when I hear someone else do it. I'm like, wait a minute, is this about you? Is this about how, 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 how good of a person you were? We, we can all, we can all do that, right? I mean, I told a story right there about me taking up for someone. So see, I, I did the same thing, but I think it's always interesting I wonder how often, now th- this is just, this is just now, just thinking out loud. Remember when I do sermon reviews, these, these are not rehearsed. So I, I'm just reacting in real time. I'm just, I think, I wonder, I wonder how often. Now you got to really think about this. You got to really think about that. I wonder how frequently you and I forget her. We, we, let's not just forget her. I'm not even worried about her sermon right now. Let's just talk to us, whoever you are, wherever you are right now. How frequently do you think we, Use Jesus, use Christianity to exalt ourselves. Let me give you an example. When I, and I've I've told this story frequently, but let me just give you an example. When I first became a Christian, like the night I became a Christian, they put me behind the pulpit the night I became a Christian, which was already a bad idea. But almost instantaneously, it felt like within months, I was being taken to churches around Texas to give my testimony, right? And I thought I was doing something like religious and good, and, and I was trying to bring people to Christ. Now, I started being coached at which part I should cry. Like, I, I started being coached, and then I started really getting concerned. But when I look back at that, and I, and I think even in it, I started figuring out, wait a minute, this is about me. I'm telling this horrible, tragic story about how bad my life was, right? Now I'm telling everyone, I came to Jesus. I do mention Jesus and now how supposedly wonderful and great my life is now. But when it's all said and done, is it really about Jesus or is it really about me? I wonder how frequently, and 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 and, and look, every individual has to just look into their own. I I can't speak for you. I'm only speaking for me. I wonder how many times my Christianity has been more about making me feel good, making me feel better about myself. Uh, Like it's all about what I get from it. Like Jesus is just simply the tool. He's just simply the step for me to get to a better way of life or better feeling better about myself. Like, I wonder how many times we simply use Jesus as a means of exalting oneself. I'm not saying, please hear me. I'm not saying that's what this person is doing in their sermon. It's it's making me stop to question my own self. Like, I can do a podcast. I wonder how many times I do podcast episodes. And it's really about the furtherance of the kingdom of God. It's really about Jesus and how much it's really about me. 
Like I, I can try to be transparent. I can try to tell people my own struggles and I can do that hopefully because I want other people to know that, hey, I'm just a real person sitting in front of a microphone who has my own struggles. And I don't, I want you to feel like that you're not alone with your, your struggles. I can tell myself I'm doing it for the right reason, but I wonder in some ways if I do so, and I, now, now I'm just questioning all of my motives. I wonder if I do it for my own, like to, to exalt me, to, to put the attention on me. I mean, I mean, the biblical model is I must decrease so he, he, he can increase. I mean, that's what John the Baptist said. We know that I'm supposed to die to self, deny self, and follow him. I wonder how much, though, I use him simply as a means to not die to self, not deny self. I'm not saying that's what she's doing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just using what I, I, I what I try to do whenever, I hope you understand this. I, I, I'm not good at this, but I try my best to do this is that whenever I hear a sermon, if before I, whenever I get ready to criticize it, I always try to stop and I'll, first of all, how can I use this to criticize myself, right? How can I, I, I want to always see my flaws. I always want to see my fault before I see anybody else's. So I can sit here and go, well, this is weird. She's supposed to be teaching about cleansing the temple. And she's talking about, I guess, how good of a person she was in, in school. So, but I could criticize that, but at the same time, I need to stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a little bit of that in me as well, because how do I use my Christianity to exalt myself? So it's just, it's something that I try. I'm not good at it, but I try my best to always go before I criticize someone else, criticize myself because I always got enough of my own problems. All right, but let's back this up a little bit. Here we go. She graduated with me. And she still remembers that. And when I see her in the community, she'll say, this girl, this girl talked to me in school. And I'm like, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal. But, you know, sometimes those actions can lead to bigger things in people's life that we really have no idea, do we? So we're going to read through the full passage of John, the encounter of Jesus in the temple and how he got incredibly angry and cleared the temple. So John 1, 13 through 22, or 25, however we copied and pasted that. The pa- she means John 2. She means John 2. Hey, no, no criticism, no criticism, because just a little while ago, what was I doing, right? I was stumbling over, you have the, 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 Pleasure of the, or the unfortunate pleasure. Wait, is it the unfortunate mis, unpleasure, displeasure, right? I, I, so we all, we all can do that. So no criticism. Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said it was taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, 
His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So let's step back into this time, and I'm going to walk you through some of the processes that took place that led up to the Passover, what people had to actually go through to get to the temple to sacrifice, worship, and pray. It looks a lot different today. We do not have to do all of these things, but I think it's, it's worth walking through. So the purpose of the temple, sacrifice, worship, and prayer. Jews would come as pilgrims from many, many, many miles away to come to the temple. And it's estimated that around 2 million people would show up at the Passover. It's a lot of people mulling into the temple during that time. Since it would have been a laborious process to bring their sacrifice, their lamb, their goat, their bull, they set up provisions in the temple for them to purchase a sacrificial lamb or bull or um, a turtle dove to sacrifice. I think another problem was not, uh, not only would it require a lot of work, I think there were also by, you were worried that we'd end up with some kind of a blemish so then the animal would not be approved for sacrifice. If I remember correct, if I, I'm just throwing out some thoughts. I think it was not only was it a, a it was difficult to get the animals there, but if the animal ended up with some kind of blemish, it would not be allowed for sacrifice. So now you see how this could be ripe for a business opportunity. Hey, 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 your animal, your animal's not good enough, but we've get, just happened to have one right here. It, it's only walked, you know, from, from school to, to, the, to the house uh, only on Sundays, you know, so it's, it, okay, you get the idea. Like a used car salesman, this animal will work. Okay, but you see how it could be ripe with abuse because human beings are involved and I don't care what the church gets involved. It's always ripe for abuse because guess what? Human beings are involved and what are human beings? Well, we're sinners. All right, but let's see how she continues this. At least she's getting into the text now. I don't know what any of those other things had to do with the text at all, but at least now she's in the text. Let's see where it goes. Sacrifice. So it's estimated they sold about 1.25 million sheep in the outer courts. It's a lot of sheep. And for those too poor, there was provisions made for turtle doves because they cost a lot less, and even the poor could come then and sacrifice. So they waited to the city, and if they, bought, if they risked it and bought their animal out in the streets, they would risk then the priest deeming it unclean. So therefore, they'd have all right. Awesome. Okay. She's, she's got that part. So she's doing really good with the background here. She's doing really, really good with the background, the history. I don't know how, she, where she got the estimate that that's how many sheep they sold in the outer court. I don't know where she got the estimate from. I wish she would citing some of her sources. And maybe she has a slide up there with the sources on it, but this is, this is good background information. I love this. So she's doing a good, she's doing a very good job here, a very good job here of providing this background. Now, what is she going to do with this background? I don't know, but, but I'm, I'm very, this is all good stuff for us to know. I have to still buy a sacrifice in the temple to go in. So they had to find a lamb without blemish and the priest was the judge of that. So... That was judged when they came in. So they also had to pay temple tax while they were there. 
it gets busier, doesn't it? So while they were there to pay temple tax, they had their own currency that was not the currency of Jerusalem. So there was a 6% exchange tax, exchange rate to pay to get the temple tax. And if you didn't have the exact change, it was 12%. So see where this is going? So it's getting more complicated. So there was money changers, and there was a lot of things going on. And also, let's not forget about the turtle doves. Those were intended for the poor. In the temple, they were 50 times more expensive than they would have been in the streets to purchase from a vendor. Now, all of her information, let's just make it very clear. She's not giving us sources. So just, just a note when you're listening to preaching, if, if sources are not being given, you, you need to sometimes, I'm not saying you should just doubt everything, but you always want to verify, 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 because I've heard lots of things about the temple, lots of things about sacrificial system. And then you start digging into it and going, this is uh, almost becomes an urban legend. I'm not saying that's what she's doing here. I'm just saying a lot of this would have to be verified. Like, were they really charging that much extra for turtle doves? I don't know. Was it actually 1.2 million sheep sold in the outer court? I don't know exactly where the figures would be coming from. I don't know where the data would be coming from. I think it would have to be estimates or guesses. Because remember, so much of the temple records would have been destroyed in 70 AD. So I don't know exactly where this information is coming from. I think, oh, I can't remember the name of the book. There's a famous book about the temple um, I had to use in one Bible college. And, and I'm thinking maybe this is where she was gathering the information. I'd have to go see if I can find the book. I may, I may have it somewhere. But uh, if, we, if we can verify any of this, by all means, someone email me verification or where the source for all of this is, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And then we can... I can then turn on the microphone and read directly from the source and say, hey, this is where this information was coming from. So you haven't even gotten into worship yet, and you have to go through all these things. So it's no surprise that Jesus got upset because they set up the temple, exchange sacrifices to make things convenient for travelers. But what it had become was downright thievery, extortion, especially of the poor. So Jesus enters the temple. He is upset. He sees everything going on that is not what should be going on in his father's house. And I just have to throw this out there. I'm not saying it's a perfect correlation. I'm not saying it's a perfect connection. I'm not even saying it's a perfect application. But I get bothered when people at a church hold a conference, and you have to pay money to get into that church to hear someone preach the word of God. To me, it's very similar. Like, because I mean, I, I look, I've only gone to a couple of conferences in my life and immediately realized some, this the whole system is just so messed up. I paid $100 to get inside a church to hear someone preach God's word, and no one here seems to have a problem with it. And then they've got tables with books and that I have to spend $15, $20, $30 so that I can buy a book so I can learn more about God. The whole thing to me just seems like a business, not a church. Now, it's one thing if you hold a conference outside of a church, right? It's not inside a church. You, you rent it out an arena. You rent it out a, a theater of some kind, and then people pay to get into that. That's still troubling because you're paying in to hear the word of God preach. When you turn the word of God into a product, 
that people pay money to hear preached, that to me is troubling just like this. I, I, I think that there's a, a, a correlation. I think there's an application. Most people will say, no, it's not the same thing. You know, well, we don't have the same sacrifice. So either there's an application to this or there isn't an application to this because we obviously don't have money changers and have to be buying sacrifice. So I, so we're never going to have a direct correlation, but if I was to apply it, when I, when I see people charging money for someone to get into a building to hear the word of God preach, you're turning the word of God into the thing you're selling. You're sell, or you're selling the, look, you're either selling the preaching of God's word or you're selling the celebrity of the person who's preaching God's word. Either people are paying money to hear the word of God preached or they're paying money to get into a church to see John MacArthur or whomever the new you know, hero is of the day. So I, I think there's a correlation, but you, you may not think that the application is correct. He's upset. He kicks over the tables, as the scripture said. He has his whip of cords. The birds are flying everywhere. The money's flying everywhere. He's not just mad because of what they're doing, because they're doing it in his father's house, a holy place that was supposed to be for sacrifice, worship, and prayer. That's why he was angry. So, although along the way, during all of that exchange, he did take the time to heal, which he usually did, and encounter people who wanted to be healed by his touch. And the Pharisees were none too happy, were they? So the religious leaders were quite upset that he came in and just kicked things over. And Wait, while he, while he was... While he was... When did he start healing people here? She must mean when people were coming. I don't know what she's referring to here. Are you saying when Jesus, where did he stop to heal people in this story? Okay. I I don't, I'm not quite sure what she's referencing here. Okay. I'm going to back, I'm going to back that up just a little bit. Heal, which he usually did. Going to back that up a little bit more. That was supposed to be for sacrifice, worship, and prayer. That's why he was angry. So, although along the way, during all of that exchange, he did take the time to heal, which he usually did, and encounter people who wanted to be healed by his touch. And the Pharisees were none too happy, were they? So the religious leaders were quite upset that he came in and just kicked things over and started making these statements about his father's house. It wasn't commerce. It was crooked commerce, and it was stealing from people, God's people. So right back to the statement of righteous anger. So Jesus was upset. All of this was going on in his father's house. So we're going to talk a little bit about righteous anger in our own lives, okay? There's a difference between righteous anger and angry. Okay, so immediately she did a great job giving us all of that background. She did. But then immediately she departs from that and it's going to make it about us. Now, I, I, I also drew the correlation, but I'm trying to draw the correlation about if this is the father's house and we're going to draw a correlation, the only thing we could draw a correlation to would be the church, right? 
You could, we couldn't draw the correlation to the world. This is about the temple, right? And if this is about the religious people, so I drew the correlation between the temple and the church, religious people, Christians, and then I try to look at how we are guilty of this same thing. What she does, what she's focusing on is not how the church could be guilty of turning the church into a house of merchandise, right? She's not focusing on that. What she wants to focus on is Jesus got angry. So how can we get angry? All right. Maybe, maybe you could say it's just a different point of emphasis, but all right, let's see what she says about how we can be angry like Jesus, I guess. Okay. So in studying this, I believe righteous anger is things that would make our Lord upset goes right against Christian principles, how we should treat people, what we should be doing. And getting angry, you can sin in your anger, right? So, um, little story about Kenny and I. I mentioned in the beginning that uh, almost 13 years ago, actually, I said 12, that we were praying for our next step in life. How could we best serve the Lord going into our empty nest years? And... um, Little did we know, he would open the door. I didn't look for it, but it was there for the shepherd's house. First, I volunteered the first year. Kenny and I sold our home in New Haven, packed up our belongings, and moved into a 450-square-foot apartment with a one-year plan. You know, over that time, we had never worked with homeless. And This is just so... I... I... She started with basically about her. Now she's making about her and her husband. I I, I just don't know where, where where is this about Jesus? Maybe, maybe the righteous anger part's going to come into play in this story. I don't know. Broken, mentally ill, and those with addictions in our direct personal life. But if you want to find Jesus, that's where we found him. Okay. Because this ministry was founded on the principles of Christ. So any good and wonderful thing, and there were there have been miracles, has all been because of the Lord is in this program. Okay? And we saw that. Um, we wanted our ultimate goal when we go speak to groups, I don't care if it's corporate America or if it's church group, they'll say, well, what is your number one goal? Well, for them to know the Lord before they leave this earth. Because we know those who have addictions they may not see tomorrow. So we have a sense of urgency for their, their salvation and their faith. So we also have witnessed discrimination and injustice because people profile homeless, addicted people, people that struggle with mental illness. And we've seen it firsthand and we've become advocates. That's the part of the answer to the righteous anger is becoming an advocate for what you see is wrong. So you have to be a voice, but you have to do it in the Holy Spirit or you do it in the wrong spirit. In our flesh, we'll act in anger, but with the Holy Spirit, we can do it the way God wants us to. So, hey, with the Holy Spirit, you can just do whatever God wants you to do. So with the Holy Spirit, you can be perfect. (laughs) I guess. Hey, hey, husbands and wives, if you ever get in a fight, if you just have the Holy Spirit, you won't ever do anything in anger. You'll do everything right. You won't ever get frustrated with your kids. You won't ever have a church split. You won't ever have any. Okay, all right. All right. All right. 
I, I just, what? Okay. I'm just trying to, so, so if righteous anger should lead you to become an advocate, is the, is the goal of John 2, 12 through 25, is to teach us to become advocates so that we can use our righteous anger in a good way. My nickname at the Shepherd's House is the Velvet Hammer. And our founder has said, you know, you were a really quiet person when you came to us 12 years ago. And in most ways I was. However, when you see things that aren't okay, and it's not you, it's somebody that's struggling and they need help, they need somebody to come alongside them, you have to find their voice for them for a while. And then you hopefully help them to see, to find their own voice as well. So so think about what injustice is God calling you to pursue? Think about that. I'm going to come back to that. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So when Jesus was referring to the temple, he wasn't referring to the building. He was referring to his body, which, you know, for us, when we become Christians, our body is a temple of Christ. We belong to him. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Where is she going with this? Where is she going with this? Now, let's make sure we understand. Jesus walked into a literal temple and literally cleaned that temple because that temple had been turned into a house of merchandise. Now, he does then transition from that temple to his body when they ask specifically because the uh, they, the Jews uh, then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou unto us seeing that thou doest these things. Hey, you're doing all of these things. What sign are you going to show us? Like, like they're trying to understand why he's doing these things. And then he says, hey, the, uh, uh, unto them, destroy this temple, and, I, and, and in three days I will raise it up. So Jesus then tries to move them to a different thinking. She's not even trying to deal with the, the kind of the struggle with this text. She's just now, now talking about our bodies being a temple. All right, where is she going with this? So, some people, I'm not going to get into any discussions about healthy living, eating, exercise. We're going to talk about the things we hear, see, and do, listen to, that our, our heart, our mind, what we entertain, and what are we going to allow in our temple that's contradicting? Wait, what is happening here? All right, so Jesus cleansed the temple. He then has this discussion about his, his body, not the physical temple, but he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Because they're looking kind of for a sign. And then she's now going to take that and make it about our bodies. She's not going to talk about our health, but she's going to talk about what we do for entertainment. All right, we, uh, we got to finish. We got to see where this is going. Victory to what the Holy Spirit of the Lord would want us as Christians. What's preventing us from being our best for kingdom work? So a little bit of looking there. 
So I, I mentioned in the beginning healing, I put, it said healing and justice. I also substitute injustice as well sometimes. But how do these work together? I believe they do. I shared a little bit about that. You know, um, God shows us and he shows himself to us every day. When Kenny and I lived there, we just moved out five months ago. There would be something going on that we had to walk into like a tornado situation. And we wouldn't have time to talk. We'd just pray in Jesus' name. Give us the words. Because people say, well, how do you handle these things? Well, it's not by us. He gives us the words. He gives us the thought. He gives us the things to say. Hey, if you, ne- if you don't ever know what to say, just ask Jesus and he'll give you the words. He'll just give you the words. I wonder if Jesus gave her this sermon. Because I'm utterly, completely perplexed and confused and what in the world is even going on here in this sermon at this point. Okay, but I, all right, uh, oh, just, mm, okay. So, again, we go out, we advocate for veterans. We advocate for homeless. We advocate for those who have mental illness. And we'll talk about it all day long. And, you know, we have a great staff. We're all faith-based people. We're all believers And that's amazing. And, you know, we'll stop if necessary in the middle of the day. If Joe over here is struggling, we pull him into the office. Everyone stops what they're doing. We pray for him because that's what we're supposed to do. So, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night, Kenny and I would get a call and we're like, oh, my. I'm really starting to think that this sermon is not about Jesus cleansing the temple. Are you getting the same vibe? I mean, she did really good giving us some of that great historical background, but it seems like this is about her. This is about her and her husband. This is about their ministry. Gosh, it's 2 a.m. Throw our clothes on, go out there. Johnny needs to talk. So we sit in the dining room, talk to Johnny. And after about 15 or 20 minutes, he goes, thank you so much. I'm going to go back to bed. And the next morning he said, you know, if you weren't going to come talk to me, I had a plan. So sometimes the conversation, the spirit, we could have said, you know, Johnny, we'll text, we'll talk in the morning. Because you don't always know that if it's a true emergency, because sometimes they create their own emergencies. But the spirit said, get up, get dressed, go. Right? Wow, so the Holy Spirit will keep you from making sure no one ever kills themselves. Well, that's, that's good to know. The Holy Spirit knows, hey, hey, you got to get up and go right now. So as long as Christians are around, no one will ever kill themselves because the Holy Spirit will tell us that you need to go talk to them. I, well, I, okay. So we did, and we've done that. Sometimes we, one has to drag the other. It's not always easy, but we do it. And again, all credit to the Lord. For prompting, so. All credit to the Lord, but you sure are doing a lot of talking about yourself. But okay, I understand. I've done the same thing. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I'm not trying to be critical of her because I'm looking at my own self and how I've done this kind of thing myself. But man, okay, I just I just don't understand like what, what, what is, I, what, what, I don't understand. Is anyone going to be done with this sermon and understand the actual text? Anyway, so physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, yes, all of that happens. It, only, it not only happens like in the body of Christ here, 
But I can tell you it happens in a ministry that we work for and others like it in the city who are focused on bringing all glory to God and having Christ at the center of it. Sometimes we're not listening, as I said. Maybe God put something in your heart when you were 14 and you thought, oh, nobody is going to want me to believe this. So you didn't speak it. Maybe now you're 40 and you're like, you know what? I still remember that. Was that from God? Do I need to pray about that? Is that something he really wanted me to do? There's burdens he puts on our heart and we either squash them or we act on them. So it's easy in the social media age. I, this, I got some great input. You know, as when your children are adults, learn from them if you're not. I've learned so much from my adult children. So is Ken. What? Does anyone know what's going on here? This is supposed to be about John 2, 12 through 25. She's not in any way correlated the what that was happening in the temple with what could possibly be going on in churches. She's not in any way seeing how Christians could be guilty of turning the, the father's house into a house of merchandise. She's mentioned the temple, but she's not in any way trying to explain what Jesus was trying to say or what he was trying to demonstrate. She's then made a reference to our body, which we're supposedly we're going to get to. And now it's just, I, I, I don't understand what is happening. We love them. And sometimes we don't want to admit that they knew what they were talking about. But. Yeah, someone just asked me, uh, is this what I think it is? Oh, this is what I think it is, what you think it is. Yes, it is. It is, yeah, it, it's it's the sermon series you told me to, to listen to that has now created major post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome inside of me. Okay, but all right, here we go. We're going to try to finish this. I know we're at an hour, but I don't want this to go to part two. So I'm going to go long because, well, I can. Here we go. We do. (laughs) Our youngest son, Preston, and I talk often. He lives the farthest away, but we talk every day when he walks his dog. I love it. It's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. He's a busy man but he makes time for Kenny and I, and I love it. And he said to me, he said, you know, mom, my generation's caught up in social media. There's so many causes out there. And you know what? It isn't a bad platform, but you can get caught up in the tidal wave of everything. I have no idea how this has anything to do with John chapter 2. 12 through 25. This is so bizarre. Like, I, I don't, like, I don't understand what is even happening. I don't even know how to, I don't know how to outline this. I don't know how to analyze this. I don't even know how to critique this. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> we can't do everything. Can we? No, it's not humanly possible. He said to me, and I, I, I appreciate it. He said, There are a lot of good things out there, but what has God put on your mind and your heart? Maybe you see an idea and it sparks something, but don't just get on the train to ride it. Oh, I'm all for this, you know? We can be broad because then we don't have to commit, okay? So there's nothing wrong, again, please hear me, with social media. I'm not an anti-social media person, but don't let it consume you. And it also isn't the Holy Spirit or the word of God, and, but God might use it. So there you go. So my challenge is I'm hoping that. I, I don't understand what is happening. 
I don't understand what is happening. I, 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 I am so confused here. I am so confused. I, 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 I like, I'm supposed to be offering a review. I'm supposed to be offering analysis, critique, something constructive. I, I, I have really went hard on myself and hard on how we could have wrong motivations. So I've tried to get something from it, but I just don't know what I like. I, 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 I don't know what to do. Some of this made sense of what I've talked about today. Again, Kenny and I have felt God's call for the last 12 years in one way, and we haven't felt a release from it, okay? But today, I hope you leave and you think about something or someone maybe you've met, and I want to give a shout-out. Maybe you need to take Monday and fast on your lunch or your breakfast or your drive to work, turn off the radio, whatever that looks like, and just get quiet because, you know, you can't hear the Lord if there's not quiet at all. We have a lot of noise in our lives, a lot of things that we compete with for our brain. But just some shout-out examples. I, 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 I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I, like this is not some little small church. This is a church that's got multiple campuses. I, it's, it's got a staff. It's got a budget. It's, I, I don't under, like, how can this be preaching in a church? I, I don't understand. Like how, how the, like, what, I don't even know what this is. This is not preaching. This is not even teaching. I don't even know what this is, but like, I'm not picking on some little small church with five people. I'm talking a large church with multiple, multiple campuses, a staff. They've got, they've got translators transla- translating the messages into different languages. They've got ministries. They've got like, I, I sometimes when I listen to this kind of stuff, I'm just like, you know what? I don't even know what I'm doing because I like, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. I just, I just don't understand. Like, I, I don't. To the couple who opens their home because they have a burden for foster children and they already have kids of their own. It's not like they couldn't have children. They wanted more because God called them to do it. That's an example of a righteous, you know, God puts something on you. You act on it. People that are supporting kingdom causes. You know what? They've given up their Starbucks and they want to take that money and they want to give it to a cause that they believe. Rescuing unborn babies, safe haven baby box, whatever that looks like. That's an example. Also, you know, children, you have kids. Bringing other people, other children into your home, being the home where they can come to. I remember when we lived in Highland Terrace the last several years, of our kids growing up. We never locked our door and we had a spare room with a futon that was usually had another child in it the next day. But if you make yourself known that way to your children's friends, you are safe here. There's no booze or drugs here. Their parents will buy into that and they come and eat your food for free. It's a win-win. So just an example, but it works. Okay. That's kingdom. I don't understand what any of this has to do with John chapter two. 
Like, I don't, uh, this is supposed to be a sermon series where they're going to go verse by verse. They emphasize that over and over. We're going to go verse by verse through the entire gospel of John. And so far, this entire sermon series has basically, this entire sermon series on the gospel of John has basically not even covered the gospel of John. Or your elderly neighbor. You're like, man, his grass is getting tall. What's up with Joe? And you assume that Joe's a slacker, not mowing his grass. Well, I'm going to turn him into the association. You go knock on Joe's door, find out Joe fell and broke his hip, and he's in the hospital. (laughs) Funny story. One of our neighbors one year called the city because I hadn't cut, we hadn't cut the grass, uh, and we got a citation, a little thing written on the door. And guess when I found the citation? When I got out of the hospital because I had had a massive seizure. And uh, yeah, so I'd been in the hospital with seizure issues and my neighbor was <laughs> turning us over because we hadn't cut the grass. I couldn't cut the grass. I was in the hospital for crying out loud. Okay, but yeah, that. So yeah, neighbors sometimes will do that instead of just trying to figure out what's going on. And then rehab. So go mow his grass. We live next to a family with down. Again, I don't know what have any of this has to do with John chapter two. I, I, I don't know. But John chapter two is go cut your neighbor's grass. That's what Jesus was trying to show you when he cleansed the temple. Hey, hey, open up your house to all of your children's friends and make sure they know there's no booze or, or drugs, but they can eat your food for free and you have a futon in the guest room. And I, I, there you go. That's what that's what Jesus wanted us to learn about cleansing. I am so confused. Downs, they had Downs child. Their whole world changed. They had their third child. They weren't, didn't know it. And everything, we all rallied around and said, what do you need? Do you need some meals? Help you while you're standing at the hospital and therapy? We, our boys said, I'll mow your grass. You're not getting paid, by the way. Go mow their grass. Go mow their grass. The, the, John chapter 2 is about cutting your neighbor's grass. That's what John chapter 2 is all about. This is, this is all so, I am so perplexed here. It's just some practical examples if you want your family to see Christ lived out. Or a neighbor woman who can't get around. And wouldn't the better example, (laughs) wouldn't the better example be, hey, we're studying John chapter two. If you want to do kingdom work, make a whip and go walk around churches and see what things you can tick kick over and how many people you can drive out. Wouldn't that be a more appropriate example? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, she's not even dealing with the text. I don't even understand this. Like, how can churches get so large with so many people with this kind of teaching? I Who would even want to go to, what's even the point of this? I don't. I, I am so, I, I obviously don't understand church. I don't understand churches. I don't understand Christianity. I don't understand any of this. Uh, you're like, wow, her car's been in the driveway a week now. What'd she do, quit her job? She's a single mom, you know, start all the stereotype. Then you talk to her and find out her car broke down and she's at risk of losing her job because she can't afford the car repair. Well, maybe you could step up and pay for it. Simple, 
Simple repair. She needs new brakes. Get it done. She can go to work, you know? And I'm not flipping these around. I know people, or I've done these things, okay? These are real examples of people. So he may bring something to you that you may I just, what does this have to do with John 2? I know I keep repeating myself over and over and over, but she just, like, none of the stories even have any correlation. That the issue would be when we see the church of God becoming a house of merchandise, we should get upset. Now, she said she was going to go into the whole fact that our body is a temple and talk about the entertainment that we can watch, but she. I don't know if she's just gotten completely sidetracked. I I don't even know what's going on. Not at all expect. I can tell you my husband was shocked to hear the Lord gave me three dreams about being in a home with all men. He was not prepared for that. I don't know any, any men out here that would be if their wives woke up one day and said, I've had three dreams in two months. Same dream. Thank God's trying to tell me something. Wait it. Oh, now we have dreams. Oh, so God, God, see, the Holy Spirit will let you never, will basically give you the ability to do anything he wants you to do. He gives you the actual words to say, and now he gives you dreams that tells you what you're supposed to do. So, yeah, so I guess, why do you even need to go to church? God gives you the words to say. He tells you what to think, and he speaks to you through dreams. You don't need to study the Bible. You don't need church. Just go to sleep and then you'll know what to do. With staff here, friends, Christian friends, and it's like, yeah, he does. He does. So you know what? It may not be what you had in mind, but it'll be what God has in mind. I know that I spent two years in the Allen County Jail as a volunteer chaplain. That was an eye-opener. It really showed me humility. Man, this, I've never heard a sermon where it's so much about the person preaching and so little about the actual text or about, well, in this particular case, the actual actions of Jesus and what these actions are supposed to be doing. I mean, I want you today to meditate on John 2, 12 through 25 and go, what, what, what should we actually take away from this text? And make sure you connect it to one of the I am statements if you can. All right. Because I think there is a, a connection possibly to the, an I am statement, but all right. Let's just, let's finish. we're at an hour and 14 minutes and I'm becoming more and more frustrated by each passing moment. So I'm just going to try to get her to a point where we can, just, I think we could already stop it, but I'm just going to try to, just to be fair, so, so no one says, you ripped her words out of context. God stripped me of judgment because one woman came up to me. She was twice my size. She had tattoos all over her and looked at me and goes, what do you think you're doing here, girl? What does tattoos all over her have to do with anything? Are tattoos scary? Are tattoos intimidating? If someone has tattoos, does that make them dangerous? Does that make them intimidating? Oh no, they've got tattoos. That could mean they're going to kill me. Like, I, what, what is the, what? they have tattoos all over them. You know what that means? I, I, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know. It means they went to a tattoo artist 
and got tattooed. Okay, I don't know what that supposedly means. Were they prison tats? Okay, then maybe, maybe, maybe we need to identify the kind of tat. Were they, were they gang symbols? Like, 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 what? Maybe we need to know. Was it a a dolphin? Okay, what, 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 what were the tats? Okay. What do you got? What do you got to offer, church girl? And I said, you know what? I've got the hope of Jesus in me. I'm a daughter of the, of the most high, and you can be too. She looked at me and got real big eyes. She goes, we'll talk next week. <laughs> but you know what? Wow, that's all you do? So scary people, you just tell them, I've got the hope of Jesus, and I'm a child of the living God. And they'll be like, oh. Let's talk next week. Is that, is that, is that how, is that how the story, is that how it goes down? <laughs> these, these stories, I, but it, all the stories make her look great. All the stories make her look powerful. All the stories make her look empathetic, compassionate. This is, a, this is about, I, I don't even know we shouldn't even follow Jesus. We need, I don't know this woman's name who's preaching. We need to follow her because she's clearly got the whole Christian life figured out to the T. All right. But there's a lot of broken people. It may be your neighbor, coworker. It may be agencies that you're like, wow, I'd like to know more about them. We stalked the shepherd's house, by the way. We parked out in front of their property, watched people come and go, wanted to see what these people were about. You know, do your homework. Ask God to show you. And you know what? He's going he's gonna to show you something. And I know I said before, not everyone's going to be called to move into a homeless shelter and give up everything. Oh, he's showing me a lot right now about preaching that clearly I need to just give up preaching. I need to stop studying my Bible. I need to stop putting forth so much effort. I need to stop worrying about being perfect. And I just need to tell stories about how good I am. And I can preach in large churches to large congregations with large budgets instead of in a little broken down church in the middle of nowhere with few people. That that's what I that's what I need to do. I got I gotta I'm gonna change my preaching as of today. No more text, no more scripture, just stories about me. And you will love it. And that is not because of us, okay? But he will have something for you, I guarantee it. If you're a Christ follower, he's going to put something in your heart. He's not going to let you, you'll lose sleep over it. I have. You're not going to be able to, I can't shake this. Well, if you can't shake it, it's probably from the Lord. So, you know, um, I give all praise and glory to God for the path he's let me to be on. And I hope that if you feel a righteous anger, weigh it, pray it, ask God to show you and say, what am I going to do about it? And if you need help, go to someone that can help you. Like-minded people will help you. You think we're the, some of us are called the crazy Jesus people. I've been called it. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy. I'm proud of that. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what man thinks. I only care about what Christ thinks. And I'm praying that for you today. And as we close, I'm going to pray that over us, that we all leave today with that hope. Heavenly Father, I just... I, I literally have no idea what we just heard. I, I literally have no idea. Like, I don't even have a classification for it. I don't have a category for it. 
I, I can't even take this apart hermeneutically. I can't even take this apart philologically. I can't even take this apart doctrinally. I can't take this apart scripturally. I literally have no idea what just transpired. I thought, I thought, okay, look, I remember when I started the things I wanted to accomplish. Hey, I said I was going to listen to these sermons. I need to do a live broadcast. These two come together. Hey, we, for the Bible study exercise, we're working on the Gospel of John. We've been working on these seven signs. This is a sermon on one of the seven signs, John chapter two, the cleansing of the temple. Let's do this. And then now one hour and 19 minutes uh, later, one hour and almost 20 minutes later, at 1.47 p.m. Central Time, I realized I've just literally wasted an hour and 20 minutes of your time, an hour and 20 minutes of my time. I now realize that I probably should just delete this entire broadcast because this has of no redeeming value at all. This was an absolute utter train wreck. I, I apologize. I, I literally, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I, I can't believe that in the church, like, I can understand, like, Someone who doesn't know what they're doing, a little small church trying to figure it all out. You know, you can get some really, you know, questionable sermons. I've I've preached plenty of questionable sermons in my life. But when someone is given a platform of a multi-campus church with translation teams and and a praise and worship band and all all of the things that go into this church that I've seen, you're just like, that... All the money that goes into that building, and that's what you get for a sermon on a Sunday? And then we we can't figure out why <laughs> people who go to those kinds of churches, we talked about in uh, the, the message I did on basically quitting your quiet time, why kids are showing up, kids who go to churches like this show up at Bible college and they don't know anything. Because look... If, Anyone who just walked out of that church on that Sunday a couple of weeks ago, they don't know anything about John chapter 2. They don't know anything about Jesus cleansing the temple. They don't even know anything about Jesus saying about destroy the temple in the three days. They don't know anything. They literally learned nothing. And I wasn't able to teach you anything because, look, I can teach you something when we're reviewing a sermon and they're really engaging the text, right? We may disagree with how they're engaging the text, but that leads us to be able to engage on it even more. So something good comes from it. But this was such an obliteration. I don't even know what this was. This replaced the text with self. So I guess I will end with this. How frequently in your Christian life and my Christian life do we simply use Jesus to exalt ourselves? And how many times do we replace really Jesus with ourself? I, 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 that's the only thing I can, I can try to Try to turn it to us, but I, I'll just stop. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. <laughs> News, if at yahoo.com. I, I want to start hitting things. I want to start throwing things. I cannot believe I need it. I remember I said that the third thing, I needed a good broadcast. Remember I said that? I said that, like, I kind of said a, a third thing I was trying to accomplish, that I needed a good broadcast. Well, for crying out loud, this is not it. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I, I, I just, I don't know what we just heard. What did we just encounter? I, I don't know. I have no news. If at yahoo.com. I apologize. Everyone have a great day. I, 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 I think I'm going to retire from broadcasting. I think this is the end. The Theology Central broadcast, that's it. It's over. It's done. I give up. I throw in the towel, I quit, 
I, I call for mercy. I, I get whatever. I just, I quit. I give up because, man, I don't. Wow. What? News I have at Yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day. God bless.